the world problems are getting increasingly more complex. So um, probably we will, we will need uh, design thinking and computational thinking to go hand in hand. Welcome to Stuck in Design, where our founders share candid conversations about design, creativity, and business. Let's begin. Hey Ben, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, maybe you can share uh, a little bit about uh, what you do at Stuck. Yeah, so I'm working as a creative technologist in Stuck. But the word creative technologist is relatively new and it could mean actually uh, quite uh, different roles in different industries. So like in a typical software house, um, the creative technologist is actually the bridge between the UI UX team and the development team. But here at Stark, I'm the bridge between the design team and the development team. So in Stark, the development team could be either the software developer or the hardware developer. Yeah, I love working in the, the intersection of this uh, arts and science, and this is where I operate in. Alright, um, so, so you, you, you're like a translator of sorts between um, these two teams. You mentioned the um, creative team, uh, which are the kind of designers, and right. there's the developers, like, and, and you, you kind of bridge them both, right? Yep. So sometimes, you know, the developers and the designers, they, they speak a very different lingo and the jargons that they use. So sometimes I have to step in and be the translator for them. So I have to translate like the UI UX um, um, requirements into something that, that the developers can execute. Mm. Could you give a little bit of an example of uh, how yeah, you see this um, playing out, I mean, in your role? Okay. So for example, like the designers wish to see uh, a very nice transition between the different pages. But then, um, you know, they are using words and, and emotions to, to portray this kind of uh, transitions that they want. But it doesn't mean anything to the to developers. So that's where I step in and I understand what the, the, the designers are trying to gun for. And then I will tell the developers that, hey, the designers actually wanted a, a ease transition. So it's like slow in and slow out. So that's like the, the nice transition that they are going for. So I have to translate design requirements into a lingo that probably the, the, tech, the developers can understand. Mm, because they, they, are, they are two very, I mean, I would say they are quite different people. Like one thing's in terms of like the arts and um, the more, is it the human factors? Uh, like for designers and for developers, is it is it more of um, numbers and oh, how to get it like done uh, in the software? Yeah. That, that sort so of I thing. guess in, in, in their head, when they are uh, viewing at the problem, they are looking from different point of view, whereas the designers will be thinking of how the, the users will be experiencing the app or, or interacting with the object. But the developers are thinking of how to execute these kind of things. So um, back of their mind, they will not be thinking about uh, all the human factors or how cool, or what's the nice transitions about uh, the, the, the app. So um, that's where I have to step in and, and help to translate some of those uh, human factors kind of, um, factors into the, the final deliverable. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But I, I mean, from my observation, uh, when, when you work, uh, like, it's not just about uh, just translating, oh, okay, this is what uh, the developer wants, or this is what not what the developer is facing, um, and this is not what the designer wants, that you, you also seem to, um, like, solve the problem or, like, help to facilitate this 
solving of the problem. That's right. Uh, so sometimes, like for example, the, the developers will meet a technical roadblock. So, but um, the designers will do not understand like all the database or the schema and, and these kind of things. They, they, they are not so bothered about that kind of technical details. So that's where I have to step in and also understand the problem. And then if I'm able to help uh, debug the problem with the developers, that's good. But if not, I have to translate it back. Uh, what does the, the technical roadblock bring, brings to the experience? Like for example, the users will not be able to, for example, see all their data in one page, for example. Yeah. So I have to translate it back into uh, what the designers can understand. And then probably the designers would think about how to uh, circumvent this problem. Do we split the, the information into two pages or we, we would disseminate the information to the users on a, on a page-by-page basis? Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty like you need both sides it seems That's right. um okay so maybe you can share a bit about what so what was the coolest project that you've done here at stark so far i think i've done quite a few cool projects in stark uh in, in my uh, in my time in stark so one of the projects that was pretty cool to me was actually one of the projects that i did last year for fmcg um, company so this this uh this design is actually comprises of a screen and an interactive touch point. So the users will stand in front of the interactive touch point and then uh, interact with it and then the screen will change. And then after he selects everything, uh, a sample will be dispensed to him. So the company wished, wished to use this touch point to, to give out free samples to the users. So you can imagine this like in the, in the atrium of a shopping center. So the shoppers will actually just stand up in front of the, the interactive object and then just select what whichever sam- samples that they want and they will be able to get the samples. Oh, so, so, so almost like a museum exhibit that they kind of like uh, interactive experience where, where you, like you mentioned, uh, you, you, you get, get a sample in, in the end, is it? Yeah, so it's an immersive experience. So there's sound, there's lights, and there's moving animations and stuff like this. So it's actually quite, quite a, a nice touch point for the users. Yeah, oh, okay. That, that sounds really, really fun. But I imagine the, the back end would be pretty uh, uh, crazy. Yeah. So the whole project can actually be broken down into three main aspects. So there is the shell, and then there is the hardware selection, and then there's the software integration. Yeah. So for the hardware uh, selection, right, we actually have a lot of moving parts in, in, this, uh, in this touch point. There is the dispensing of those samples. So we have to find a way to actually store the, the samples and safely deliver, deliver it to the, to the hands of the users. So there's actually a lot of moving parts. And then on the, the, print, the, the, the fabrication of the shell, because we chose a quite an organic um, structure for the look of the, the, the touch point, we actually had to use uh, 3D printing to, to, to print out this shell. It was quite an adventurous um, um, endeavor because this 3D print is actually about one meter tall. Yeah, so it, usually, usually the 3D prints that we print uh, in-house are only about a few uh, centimeters to maybe 20 centimeters tall, but this print is actually one meter tall. So we had to get an external print, printer to kind of like print a, such a big um, shell. I see. The, the challenges being that it's not, not stable, is it the... Um, I think the main challenge is because the print is so big and then it, which makes it so expensive. So we only want to print it twice or once. Mm. Yeah. So um, in in the in the computer, 
we had to slice it uh, very finely and go through with the whole team. Like, um, where are the wires running? Uh, you know, is the hole big enough for the USB um, head to pass through? You know, sometimes because, um, for example, we, if you have a hole that is running across the, the wires, um, but you do not account for the head of the USB, we, not, we will not be able to, to track, track the whole USB through. I see. So, so you guys uh, chopped up this structure into different like portions so that you, you guys can run through um, like a mock a setup of the whole, um, whole design. Yeah. Right. Even, even the assembly of, of it, is it? Like, um, That's right. To a certain extent, we went through the whole assembly of the whole structure. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like where are the structural elements? You know, where, are, where would the, all the hardwares be, be residing in? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's. I think that's because because you you mentioned that the the, the cost of this prototype is, is quite high. Like you you don't want to like mess up when you after you, you get it printed already, right? So yes. kind of you have to take every precaution you you have you can to to uh, mitigate all these issues before you actually purchase the the yeah. thing, That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I think it's you know through the act of overcoming all these obstacles, which made it this project to be the coolest project that I've made so far. Right, and, and maybe you can, you can share a bit about, um, you know, like, take us into the, the challenges and, and, and you, you mentioned three uh, sections of, um, you know, like this whole setup, like it, it consisted of the 3D printing, the hardware selection, the software selection. Maybe you can share a bit more about the 3D printing. Okay, so the 3D printing, um, we are using, because it's such a tall structure, uh, we had it. We had to have the, the the object to be quite rigid. So we in the end we chose um, ABS. So ABS was uh, stable enough. The dimension is stable enough, and it's able to print up to a one meter tall. Yeah. So um, we had to try different uh, materials, uh, types of printings, and and different companies to see which one match our requirements. Right, right. Uh, uh, ABS as opposed to like uh, PLA, is it? Yeah, so there's different types of uh, printing methods, but um, for the height, we, we had to use um, ABS. That's one of the uh, more economical and, 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 and dimensionally stable material. Mm. Yeah. So for the, for the software side, we actually met with a lot of uh, challenges as well. Yeah, because um, the device is actually communicating with a computer. So there was a lot of, of protocol uh, being handled by the two parties. Yeah. So we had to use uh, a, a lot of uh, Bluetooth protocols and stuff like this in order for the two, two uh, computers to kind of like communicate with each other. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, b because it is, um, you, you mentioned it's a, a video experience as well and, okay. and there's this delivery, it's not just, um, oh, you, um, you, 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 just after a user do an action, then it just plays a video. It's not yeah, so it's simple. Not, right? Yeah, it's not so simple. So um, depending on which um, which samples that the user select, so we have to play the according uh, video. And then when a video ends, our our sample has to be developed uh, delivered on the same timing. So there was a lot of uh, uh, communications between the two devices. Mm. And and how about the hardware selection? So hardware selection. Um, I think one of the biggest challenge was actually trying to get a very silent servo. Yeah, because we have a lot of moving parts in this uh, prototype. So 
um, we were trying to find the silent, most silent servos uh, to be used in this prototype. We do not want to, you know, because of the, the grinding sound of the servos to hinder the whole experience of the users. Right, right, right. It's not like, because servos, the, the cheaper ones, is it like they're, they're more like, yeah, so we, we actually bought from, from the cheapest range to the most expensive range. Yeah, but quite amazingly, the, it is the cheaper one which performed uh, to our specs. Yeah. Right, wow, that's, that's quite interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I think thanks for sharing about the, that, that really cool project and, and the challenges that you face. Um, maybe we can move to um, this thing about computational thinking. You, you, I think we had this conversation um, just casually, uh, but what is uh, computational thinking and like, how, how can we understand it if I'm a, I have never heard of this term? Okay, uh, so computational thinking is actually a way of um, thinking. So unlike design thinking where it's a iterative and, and prescriptive framework, this computational thinking is more of like a, a way of how you view a problem. Yeah, so like, um, there is four main pillars of uh, computational thinking. So there is uh, decompositioning, where you break down a big hairy problem into smaller manageable parts. So, and then there is also abstraction, so you, from this problem, you abstract out what is the most uh, critical aspect. Yeah. And then there is also um, pattern recognition. So sometimes you, know, you take the time to sit down and analyze the, the, the said problem. Probably you can find some uh, emerging patterns and, and, and you'll be able to solve it in a more efficient way. Mm. There's computational thinking and and, and I mean, yeah. There's actually one last part, which is actually uh, um, the logical thinking behind uh, computational thinking, which is you, you change uh, all your solutions into a kind of like a instructions or a recipe so that other people is able to follow. Right. right. Yeah. Just like a recipe, um, a person who is not a baker will be able to follow step by step and recreate a cake. Mm. So that's the like the sequential part of the computational thinking. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned could you just like say again like what are the that, that core um, um things like abstraction. That's right. Uh, decomposition. Decomposition. Pattern rec recognition. Mm -hmm. And last but not least is to change it into a, a series of steps that other people is able to follow. I see. And um, I mean I've heard of design thinking and and you you you're saying that design thinking is like not so um it's it's just different from computational thinking um could you just like share like how they are similar or different okay um I think computational thinking and design thinking are actually the different sides of the same coin yeah both of them are trying to work towards a innovative uh, solution yeah it's just that like I mentioned previously, design thinking is more of like an iterative and um, prescriptive um, framework where you, when you're stuck, uh, you, you know what to do, do, do next. And then um, when you think that the solution is, doesn't fit your criteria, you can go back to the starting point again and it reiterate the whole process. But whereas um, computational thinking is more of like, um, it's like a principles. So you, you can view uh, uh, the certain problems from, from different aspects and try to you know tease out what is the best way to solve it mm, mm. right yeah probably i i 
you know, I can give an example <laughs> to better illustrate what computational thinking is. Okay, yes. There's, there's the numbers 1 to 9, so we are thickness to choose one digit. And then the person who uh, is able to add up to 15 first will be the winner. Okay, yeah. challenge accepted. Maybe halfway point would be good. Mm. Seven. Uh, maybe go with uh, four. Okay. That's like. Eleven, right? Let's. Mm. Wow, I need to. Okay. You realize you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So 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 this game could seem like it's quite uh, complex, and you know the strategy behind is 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 not so clear cut. But through you know, let me rearrange this thing um into another format, and probably you you'll be able to better play this game. Yeah. So let me rearrange this this. Uh, numbers again. So just so happened, all these numbers is able to add up into a thing called uh, a magic square. So I'll start by having all these numbers here. Yeah. So this is what I call a magic square. And then shall we play this game again? Okay. Okay. Just gonna go with uh, four. Can okay, I go with five again? Five. Um. I can go with uh, eight. Yeah, I'll go with three. Um. Okay, you took my three, so I've got to uh, go with. Two, two. Yep. And I'll take the last seven, and I got fifteen. So oh, do what? You, okay. So do I realize? Do you, do you see uh, something interesting about this uh, this arrangement, and then how we are playing it? Do you see, it's like a tic tac toe. <laughs> do you feel like it's a, we are playing tic tac toe now? Oh, you connected three numbers together. Yep. So. Yeah, we, we yeah, are, yeah. By, by rearranging this um, series of numbers into a square, um, where each side of this uh, adds up to 15, which is called a magic square, and then we, we have actually simplified the game into a tic-tac-toe. Mm. Yeah, so through abstraction and decomposition of this um, rearrangement of this uh, series of numbers, we are able to, to you know, uh, draw the, the, the problems into it into a simpler form where all of us knows the strategy of how to play this game. Wow, that's super mind blowing. I mean, yeah. Um, so, so are you saying that if I, if, if I, played this game with the mindset of the tic tac toe, that's right, uh, and and not considering like the the okay, I need to add up to fifteen, and I I try and play with that that strategy, I will I will be able to win. That's right. Shall we play again? But this time, um, with with your new strategy in mind? Oh yes, yes please, I don't like losing. <laughs> <laughs> so I just place the numbers here again. Mm. 
Okay. Okay. You can go first. Oh, so kind of you, sir. Um, you play, play on top. I'll play on top. Okay. Um, go with um, five this time. Yep. Good one. <laughs> yeah. I'll go with uh, nine. I think normally I would supposed to play with the eight because that would be the <clears throat> yeah the you, know, you know the block you are be choosing two. Oh yeah yeah okay okay I see it um oh no then then you're gonna hit four so I should press four can I press four you could four yeah okay so this is where the analogy kind of like breakdown. But as you can see, the first few steps we have taken are actually taken in the in, in the way of the strategy of a tic-tac-toe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting that we are able to, you know, uh, change this uh, game into something that we are more familiar with. So that is kind of like a, a application of computational thinking. So changing some complex problem, you know, we 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 funnel it down, we abstract it, try to see there's any patterns in, in it. And then we come with a, a slightly different strategy to approach this problem. Yes, I'm still in awe of this um, new strategy. I mean, I wish I could kind of uh, use this tool in to see problems in different ways. Uh, yeah, but yeah, maybe you can share more about that later. Yeah. Um, where where do you think um, we'll be heading in the 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 future? Like, I mean, as your role as a creative technologist, where, where are we heading? Are we heading to more human kind of uh, design or, or more computational uh, kind of, uh, yeah, things? So I think uh, the world problems are getting increasingly more complex. So um, probably we will, we will need uh, design thinking and computational thinking to go hand in hand or, or arts and science to go hand in hand because um, if you know um, problems like you know climate change or societal behavioral change, all this cannot be only affected by just technology alone. Probably you need some human factors uh, to ease things out. Yeah. So both both of these has to go hand in hand in order to solve more complex problems. Mm. So so like um, I mean, uh, in your opinion, like the future is not just going to be so efficient, computational kind of kind of thing. Uh, but it's also not going to be so um, like art artistic in, in that sense that there has to be some blend between both both fields. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yep, that's right. right. So, you know, like a like an interactive touch point without, uh, as in an, an art without the technology is just a stationary art. And uh, technology without the arts could be very hard to use or not very intuitive to use. So it will not be used as well. So therefore, I do see like there's going to be a fusion between arts and science uh, for all the different complex problems that we are facing in the near future. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next week on Stuck in Design.